Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. And this time around, I'm going to talk about an episode of the Promised Land television series called The Winner. It was the ninth episode of the second season, so officially designated episode 209. And the episode begins at a casino. Uh, I'll tell you about the plot right now. Um... Well, okay, it's the, the big issue here is gambling addiction and why that's a bad thing. So the episode begins at a casino, and we actually used a real casino in Mesquite, Nevada. Um, if you happen to be coming into Mesquite uh, from Utah on Interstate 15, this would be the first... Uh, the first place that you that you could really the first main exit to get to into Mesquite, you'd just go north and just right up to the end of the road and there's the casino. Now I've been to Nevada a few times and if you walk through a casino there are often signs around that say that you're not allowed to take pictures or make recordings inside the casino. Which then makes me wonder, well, when someone makes a movie in a casino, are are you telling me that they never use a real casino? It's all like a Hollywood set somewhere. And I suppose maybe that happens sometimes. But if you work with the Nevada Gaming Commission, the regulatory agency run by the state that oversees all the uh, casino gambling in in the state, then you can make up a deal and use a real casino, which is apparently what happened here. So we were using a real casino to uh, to shoot the episode. Oh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm telling you behind-the-scenes stuff, and I should just tell you the, the, the plot of the episode. Uh, they start out at this casino, and uh, they're just they're eating you know, the all-you-can-eat buffet there. And all of a sudden, someone's like, well, where's Nathaniel? Well, Nathaniel's over at the video game section uh, talking with a girl playing a pinball game. And she somehow brags about how she's there all the time. She knows how to uh, get, she knows her way around the casino. And in fact, she gambles sometimes. And Nathaniel's like, oh, really? No, you can't do that. You're not old enough. And she says, well, yeah, yeah, sure I can. I've, I've done this uh, before all the time. And he's like, oh, yeah, prove it. So he hands her a coin and dares her to go stick it in a slot machine. And they walk over to the slot machine together. And she's just about to stick it in the uh, slot machine when a security guard grabs her and says, hey, you know, you can't do that. So they're in trouble. And eventually Russell and Claire catch up and they find Nathaniel and talk the, to the security guard and and uh, and they get it straightened out and promise the security guard, hey, okay, we'll make sure this doesn't happen again. And he says, yeah, well, you better because otherwise I'll get fired. As far as the girl who's roughly Nathaniel's same age, uh, we meet her father a moment later. He's been somewhere else in the casino and uh, he comes by and, you know, is very apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry, we're causing trouble here. And, you know, I've but, uh, I got to get to work and times are tight around here. In fact, there's a construction boom going on and I run a contracting crew and, boy, I really wish I had some help. And Russell says something, well, Nathaniel says something about Russell's great on uh, working on a construction crew and, and the guy says, well, if that's true, man, I'll hire you. And so they kind of think about it for a second. And Russell decides to take the job offer and go work on a framing crew at a house, which is overlooking Snow Canyon. It's, you know, this supposedly a rich guy wanted to build a house uh, with an incredible 
view. So that's that's what we see next is Russell working on the framing crew building this house with an incredible view overlooking the canyon. Uh, find, find out that Russell is a much better worker than the guy could have even hoped for. And uh, they they offer uh, they offer Russell a, a a case of cigarettes because of somebody who lost a bet that said that Russell you know whether or not Russell was a great worker and so Russell turns it down and says no it's okay I don't smoke uh, anyway next thing you know uh, we see uh, somebody coming up to the construction site and. Uh, and 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 coming up to this uh this uh contractor and uh, wanting to get some money from him he doesn't have the money that he owes to like a loan shark oh so okay now we're starting to see that something fishy about this guy and uh this is this is a, a dangerous looking situation uh meantime nathaniel and grandma go shopping they bump into the little girl from the casino and they decide to invite her over for uh for dinner she's grocery shopping by herself uh russell at the end of the day working for this contractor they all decide to go down to the casino and spend a little time before going home and turns out the contractor just can't get away from the blackjack table and uh, Russell's again saying, "Who? Something? Something is definitely wrong here." Um, so anyway, then we next thing we know, we've got the Green family at their campground, and they're uh, they're going to wait until the the guys come back so they can have dinner. And they come back really, really late. And when Russell has a chance to talk to Claire, um, just the two of them, Russell explains that his boss has a gambling problem. Dun, dun, dun. So we find out that, uh, you know, the, the boss gets his truck repossessed. The loan shark comes over and beats him up. So Claire decides she's going to look into maybe a Gambler's Anonymous kind of a thing. And she goes down to a local church to, to go find out information about their Gambler's Anonymous group when she just inadvertently runs into the mother of the contractor and they both agree that there's a serious problem going on here. So this goes on until eventually um, uh, we find out that, uh, well, Nathaniel learns a lesson about uh, how how gambling is kind of a rigged system, and whoever's running the gambling operation is the only one that's really making a lot of money off of it. So he tries to set up a little a little roulette wheel and, and invite his little friends, his little ten year old friends, over to uh, to gamble. And he's in charge, and he's going to take all the money. But Grandma breaks up his little gambling ring and makes him give all the money back to the other kids. Uh, meantime, the contractor he still has his gambling problem, and he's still getting beat up by loan sharks and stuff. But eventually, uh, the Green family in, uh, is there for an intervention of sorts and they help him to uh, get to Gamblers Anonymous and, and start to get his life back in order. So that's the basic plot line that I've outlined in, uh, in, in and taken too long to explain. As for the filming of this episode, well, a few things to consider. Uh, number one, we were at a real casino in Mesquite, Nevada, for our, our casino scenes. And we filmed there for a couple of days. Now, we were all staying in St. George, Utah, which is about, I don't know, maybe a half an hour's drive, between a half an hour and 40 minutes, perhaps, to get from St. George uh, to, to the casino in Mesquite. 
But they had shuttle vans for us, so all I had to do was go down to the lobby of the motel where I was staying in St. George at, a, at, a, at the appointed time, hop in a van and get a nice ride down to Mesquite. And we did that two days in a row to do our uh, Mesquite scenes. Uh, the rest of it we filmed uh, pretty much right there around St. George. We did go to the Snow Canyon, which was where basically very close to where we had filmed uh, an episode earlier in the year called The Outrage, uh, the Indian Reservation episode that we did. So we were filming very near that location, and they set up this this little framing operation where it looked like they were building a house. Um, and they did get some lumber up there and, and put together what, what really did look like a house under construction, but in fact was not. It was just there temporarily for as long as it took us to film those scenes, and then the guys from our art department tore it all down and restored that place to its original condition because we were filming on federal land. And so, uh, you know, we had to restore the place to its original condition. So there you go for that. Uh, as far as the church, there was a church in St. George, which we ended up using for the very next episode. <laughs> But uh, this was supposed to be two different towns, and so they managed to get, a I don't know, maybe a couple shots that made it look like it might have been a different church. But it was actually the same building, a, uh, a, a Christian congregation's uh, church that was there. Uh, we used the campground. Uh, there was a reservoir not far from the city of St. George, just up to the northeast of uh, the city. We used that reservoir. Uh, near near a place called Huntington. Um, we used that for the campground. And uh, and then a house on the north side of St. George uh, that we used for the house of the contractor guy. So those are the main locations. Nothing too outrageously difficult about filming this episode, uh, except, I guess, maybe just the casino stuff. Uh, I thought it would be very difficult uh, to, to get good sound inside a, a casino. Because normally when we would go film somewhere, uh, if there's anything that's making noise, whether it's, uh, you know, we're in, we're in someone's house and the refrigerator kicks on every 10 minutes, you know, we, we, we would do something to, we'd unplug the fridge for a while while we're filming, you know, we'd do something so that we wouldn't even get the noise of the refrigerator humming in the background. Or, or if the heater, or the air conditioner kicks on, you know, we had all that stuff turned off. Um, because that's how sensitive the microphones are that they use when they, when they are recording sound on a, on a movie uh, set or on a location. Uh, so, yeah, we normally do anything we can to control noise in a location where we are. But in this case, we were in a real casino. And, I, and if you've ever been in a real casino, it's noisy. It's constantly noisy. And it made me wonder, well, how are we going to how are we going to control this? Or is someone going to go turn off all these slot machines that are making noise all day? No, we just filmed with all the regular casino noise going on, and uh, somehow it worked out. Uh, have to, you know, hats off to the sound editors that were able to piece it all together and not make it sound completely choppy. And I imagine probably our sound guy probably recorded. Um, a few minutes of just casino background noise that they could mix in there as well to kind of tie it all together. 
but yeah, noisy place, and we just filmed right there. As far as the, uh, well, in a real casino, children are not allowed near the, the slot machines and the poker tables and, you know, blackjack tables and all this stuff. Um, just, it's just not allowed. You, children just cannot go there. We had a scene where children walk right up to a slot machine, and as far as it was written in the script, the little girl was supposed to have put a coin into the slot machine, and then they get caught. Well, as it turns out, we had someone supervising this action from the uh, Nevada Gaming Commission, and we were not allowed to actually show a child putting a coin into a slot machine. They just they would not allow us to film that moment. So, if you watch the episode, she gets really close, but she doesn't actually put the coin in the machine. So, I, you know, that's the rules are rules. And e- even for something like this, they just wouldn't allow that to happen. So, you know, we had someone very closely monitoring what we were doing, uh, filming inside a real casino. Now, we also had our own people working as extras, people that had been hired to, to work as extras, to sit there in, in the background of our shots with um, just, just sitting there using the slot machines. So um, the guys from the props department gave each of these individuals uh, one of those big plastic cups that they usually have at casinos like that, filled with, I don't know, 3 or $4 worth of nickels. And just had them sit there while we were filming and just keep, you know, every few seconds put another coin in and pull the lever and just, and they're just using the slot machine in the background. Um, and so we did that because, well, there were signs at the entrance to the casino that said, there's a film crew in here today. And if you walk into this casino, you are, uh, you are agreeing that your image can be captured and uh, you're okay with that. So uh, I suppose, you know, that works. That, that's legal protection for the filming crew and the producers if they happen to show someone who didn't expressly give their permission, you know, like sign a form that says, yes, you can, you can get my picture on your TV show. So, the, yeah, they put, the, they put the signs up at the entrances so that that wouldn't be a problem. However... When we did have scenes where you you could see someone well enough to identify the person in the background, we wanted to have our own extras there, people that we had hired specifically to be there. So I think that worked out just fine. But these guys that were sitting there in the background gambling, working uh, as extras, they were told <laughs> by the props people, hey, if you actually win... Like, you know, suddenly this machine starts spitting out coins. You're supposed to hang on to those coins and, and, and keep them, and they go back to the props department. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right. <laughs> if I'm sitting there, they were just the nickel slot machine, so I don't know how much you could win, if you, even if you got the jackpot on that. I don't know. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if you're an extra and you're sitting there and you, your job is to – gamble at the slot machine for, you know, half an hour and you happen to win, you know, $100,000, you, you're just going to give that back to the props people? I don't know. Well, we didn't run into the, a situation like that. That would have been funny if that happened. But I think probably in the course of if you were to sit there for half an hour pumping coins into the slot machine, you might eventually 
win back two or three dollars. You know, I think they were just winning back enough to keep their their little cup uh, full of nickels. Uh, but anyway, that was just kind of a weird little thing. But nothing, nothing too extraordinary happened there. Like not like we had, you know, a million dollar winner. <laughs> they went on the crew, <laughs> you know, wins a million dollars and quits their job on the spot. You know, oh, I'm out of here. No, nothing like that happened. <laughs> but uh, it's always a bit of an adventure. The other thing that we weren't used to so much uh, was the the cigarette smoke. Uh. uh it just there, there's there's laws in Utah um, and in a lot of other states to restrict smoking inside uh, public places, uh, and uh, so we're just not used to that. Being in an enclosed room, even if it is a large casino room, uh, it's full of cigarette smoke. And, you know, you're not used to that. Boy, that'll get on your nerves quickly if suddenly you find yourself working all day inside a casino. You know. But, Anyway, I'm, I I don't mind Nevada. I've had some good times uh, in the state of Nevada, but those good times did not involve gambling or uh, any of the other vices that are that Nevada is known for. <laughs> so, I, well, I maybe I should be more specific. I I go every year to uh, the National Association of Broadcasters trade show in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is uh, at the the convention center there. And so you're right in the middle of all the casinos and all the different resorts and stuff in Las Vegas. And, but I've had a good time at the trade show because it's all about electronics and broadcasting and cameras and recording gear and all, and all that kind of technical stuff that I enjoy. So that's why I say I've had some good times in Nevada, but they didn't involve gambling or the other vices that Nevada is known for. So, but I do enjoy every year going down to the trade show and seeing all the neat computer and video and audio equipment and all that nice stuff. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm into that sort of thing. So, anyway, uh, one more bit of trivia on this episode. You know, there is the, uh, the the moment in there where Russell Green is offered a carton of cigarettes uh, because. Like I said, they had a bet that somebody said that he was or he wasn't going to be a, a good worker. And uh, Russell Green was um, not aware of this bet going on. But when the bet was over and they decided that, yep, he is, he really is a good worker, then they said, hey, we're going to give you a cut of our of these, this, this cigarette uh, bounty that we just got from this bet. And he turns him out and he says, oh, sorry, don't smoke. Which was funny to me because in real life, uh, Gerald McRaney was uh, quite a heavy smoker at the time. I, you know, I didn't count the number of cigarettes he smoked every day, but he, he was smoking a lot. So it's just funny that they wrote this thing into the script where he says, oh, sorry, don't smoke. Like, well, there's some good acting because in real life, he, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I, maybe I shouldn't talk about that. It's none of my business, right? In fact, just a few years ago... Um, I don't know if you were, you know, watching the celebrity news, but it turns out uh, Gerald McCraney, the actor, this would have been within the last three or four years, um, he had some sort of um, malignant growth on his lung and um, had surgery. And as far as I know, has completely recovered from that. But uh, when he found out about it, uh, you know, acknowledged that he was a, uh, had been a smoker for many years and 
and decided he would have to quit. So for all I know, he 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 quit, and that's that's just fine. But uh, anyway, just one of those weird little moments in in the episode. No, sorry, don't smoke. Want to bet? Well, anyway. All right, enough of that. Uh, anyway, uh, the next time uh, I do a Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In podcast, I'm going to talk about um, episode 210, one of the most depressing episodes we ever did. <laughs> uh, but I'll talk about that next time. Um, oh, you know, I should, I should mention one more thing, and I, I should have mentioned this earlier. When we did the episode with the rape awareness storyline uh, called Take Back the Night, which was episode 207, um, we, we shot the episode, everything just done and fine, and, you know, we're all set there. It turns out sometime between the time that we shot the episode and the time that they decided to broadcast the episode, um, Somebody decided it would be a good idea to throw a little public service announcement on at the end of the episode. Uh, so, you know, if, if this is an issue that has affected your life, uh, rape and assault and all this stuff, then uh, there is a number that you can call for information and assistance. Um, so they decided to do th- this this public service announcement. Um, so they came, came to... Um, Wendy Phillips, who played the part of Claire Green on the series, and asked her to be the spokeswoman for this public service announcement that they tacked on to the end of that episode. By the time they decided to make this public service announcement, we were already working on episode 209, the episode called The Winner. Um, So if you watch the public service announcement at the end of 207... You look closely, you can see the reservoir in the background from the campground location used in episode 209. The other thing about that particular public service announcement is it looks like they had already done all the editing on the show when they decided to do the public service announcement. So they only had about 15 seconds to spare. And uh, this public service announcement, if you look at it... uh, (laughs) Poor Wendy Phillips has a lot that she has to say. They'd written it on a cue card and everything so she could just look straight into the camera and say, you know, talk about calling this toll-free number if you need any assistance or, you know, whatever she said in the public service announcement. But they, it was it was too much for the average person to say in just 15 seconds. But she did it. It's a trooper. Hats off for doing it. But if you watch that public service announcement knowing that she had a time limit. Boy, it just sounds like she's talking a mile a minute trying to tell you (laughs) this message, uh, special message at the end of the uh, Take Back the Night episode. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's all the trivia I can think of for now. I'll put out another episode of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast, uh, I hope, just next week. I try to put these out Thursday nights at 8, 7 central, and uh, we'll kind of keep this going. And, and, and as long as these episodes are being broadcast on the Gospel Music Channel, uh, maybe you can even watch them and then get my, my insights. And you can, even, you can even send me an email and ask me questions about an episode. If, there's, if you've got a question about a specific episode or a specific actor or, you know, those sorts of things, I'll, if, if you send me a nice, friendly, positive email, <laughs> I'll give you a nice, friendly, positive response. 
How about that for a deal? My email address is moviestandin at gmail.com. Moviestandin at gmail.com. And the official notes for this podcast are located at utahstandin.blogspot.com. utahstandin.blogspot.com. You could even go to moviestandin.blogspot.com and it would redirect you to the other one. Um, so just think movie stand in. Yeah, that's me. All right, well, enough for now. And, uh, well, we'll see you next time on the Memoirs of a Movie Stand In Podcast.